Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and this is WBEZ's Weekly News Recap. Coming up on the recap, the Chicago Cubs are getting sued. Cubs say renovations improved accessibility for those with disabilities to see the games. The federal government apparently believes otherwise. Some lucky residents won't need a car to get around. City of Chicago is giving out 5,000 free bicycles over the next four years. The bikes will go to residents above the age of 14. And Illinois and Wisconsin's abortion providers are teaming up. Planned Parenthood in Illinois and Wisconsin just outlined their plans to join forces. Our panel today is A.D. Quigg, Cook County and Chicago government reporter for the Chicago Tribune. Mike Flannery, political editor at Fox 32 News. And Alex Nitkin, editor and city hall reporter for The Daily Line. They're here to break down those stories and more. And we're going to start with a statewide issue. Illinois Lieutenant Governor Juliana Stratton was in Washington this week asking lawmakers for more federal funds. A.D., can you tell us what that's about? Yeah, so this was the first of several hearings that are going to occur in D.C. around a post-Roe country, essentially. And Lieutenant Governor Juliana Stratton was there basically to ask for for more money because Illinois is not only an oasis for abortion care, but increasingly an island. And it might get worse as more states around us pass more restrictive abortion laws. Part of this is, like I said, more restrictive laws in, in states like Indiana, They're already seeing double the amount of patients coming to Illinois to receive care. There was an announcement this week that there's a new partnership between Planned Parenthood of Wisconsin and Illinois to basically have providers from Wisconsin come down to the Planned Parenthood in Waukegan to provide care. Yeah. And it's going to be costly. Um, They're expecting tens of thousands more patients to come into Illinois. Stratton was basically saying, we need money to do this and we need a centralized hub so that individual providers are not completely overwhelmed with phone calls, which is happening already. Mm -hmm. Uh, Let's turn to the city council, Alex. Aldermen are scheduled to vote on a revised ethics proposal today. What are the details there? That's right. 3 p.m. today, we're going to be getting a virtual meeting of the uh, City Council Ethics Committee. Anyone can can tune in if they're looking for a fun Friday afternoon activity. Um, (laughs) This is a proposal that's been on a long and winding path through the City Council. This was offered by the Ethics Committee Chair, Alderwoman Michelle Smith, to essentially tighten some existing ethics provisions, raise some fines for violations, um, expand conflict of interest rules so that they would apply to public officials and employees' spouses as well as just themselves. She said it was time to get back in there and update, especially given all of the corruption news that we're seeing continue to swirl. This had been slowed down by Mayor Lightfoot for a while, but after several weeks and and really months of negotiations between Smith and Lightfoot, they now just yesterday dropped this compromise package that includes a lot of the same provisions. It's a little bit trimmed down. There's one element that had been in Smith's original proposal that would say that aldermen had to literally leave the room anytime they had to recuse themselves for a conflict of interest during Mm -hmm. A, a matter which there was some kind of conflict. That's not in there anymore. That wasn't popular. But really, it seems like most of the heart of that original ordinance is in there. We're just going to have to see um, whether aldermen, the older people in the committee are on board for it this afternoon. Yeah. Well, Mike, you've covered city politics for a long time. Do you think that there's any ethics proposal that could actually clean up Chicago politics? Well, I think there are people, as Barack Obama said after the uh, indictment of Rod Blagojevich, there are too many people who get into Chicago politics for the wrong reasons. 
and uh, that that seems to uh, that seems to still be the case. So I I suspect we're going to have uh, political profiteers for uh, as long as the horizon stretches. Yeah. But I I think there are some good ideas in here. Um, I, I know the original proposal called well. It, there's a currently a five thousand dollar fine for ethics violations. It was going to go to twenty thousand. It basically gives the board of ethics more flexibility to I mean, give that, up to twenty thousand. That's yeah. a substantial amount of money. Yeah. I, I find myself thinking back to some of the corruption cases, some of the minor ones, mm-hmm. as opposed to some of the major ones like Eddie Burke or Mike Madigan. And the, the sums of money that, that some of these aldermen went to federal couple, prison yeah, a couple for thousand bucks, yeah. were a lot less than 20000 bucks. Yeah. I mean, that, that that's a big fine. Well, speaking of Eddie Burke, let's talk about him. What's, what's the latest there? He's in the news this week. Yeah. Uh, his brother, the former state rep, Dan Burke, uh, uh said uh, in an interview that he uh, hopes uh, his brother doesn't run. Um, I think the remap of the 14th Ward uh, makes that more likely uh, than before. Yeah. And, you know, when you consider that it was 1968 that uh, Eddie Burke joined the city council, you think about the way the world and the city of Chicago have changed since 1968. That's, uh, I think, the end of an era looms here in a few months. This gave me flashbacks to a few years ago when Alderman Danny Solis went on Chicago Tonight to announce he was going to retire and basically said, Ed Burke, you should think about retiring, too. <laughs> and we didn't. It was such a mystery why at the time. And then, of course, we found out later. But, yeah, like you said, the, the remap is going to be tricky for him. It was already tricky in the committeeman's race, which he lost, and I don't think it's any easier for him, though I wonder if, like, staying in office is his one bargaining chip with the feds. Well, uh, no. At this point, I think we're long past any kind of bargaining (laughs) with the feds. If he ever gets to trial. Yeah, they're pretty dug in. It is amazing that the trial is now scheduled to be after the first round of the next election next year. You know, he has spent millions of dollars on lawyers fighting, as I understand it, they have uh, they've held long fights and there have been uh, interlocutory appeals that have gone up uh, mm-hmm. to, to higher courts about uh, what is on the tapes. Mm-hmm. They're fighting over the transcripts of the tapes. But the consequence has been that uh, Ed has uh, Burke has stayed out of uh, Stayed out of the federal courtroom and out of federal prison for all this time. And at the age of 78, that's not insubstantial. Yeah. And when you think about his father, Joe, held that seat for decades before him, this is this has been a Burke family fiefdom in the 14th Ward. Yeah, we got fewer of those these days. Anything else going on at city council that we should know about, Alex? I mean, speaking of city council dynasties that might be coming to an end, um, Lisa had this news at the top of the hour, but I was at least very surprised to hear that Alderman Harry Osterman of the 40th Ward, who represents Edgewater and parts of Uptown, is not going to run for a fourth term next year. He's been the alderman representing that area since 2011. His mother, Kathy Osterman, had preceded him, and he, previous to that, had been a state rep. He's been you know, generally very popular there. Mm-hmm. He's well-liked among his colleagues. But just in the last couple of years, when he sort of took on a low, higher profile as chair of the City Council Housing Committee, he's gotten a little more controversial. He's had to sort of wear the jacket for some of the mayor's policies and had been uh, drumming up some opposition from uh, a pretty powerful uh, potential challenger named Nick Ward. So, um, yeah, basically he's he's stepping back, and that race is now wide open on the North Lakefront there. And, and Monday is going to be a pretty busy day at City Council, right? Uh, yes. Do you want me to list out for you all the different committees? Uh, oh, man, got we, got, kind of time. we got <laughs> we got settlements going up. We got uh, lots of TIF for school construction. We uh-huh. got a, the budget 
ARPA subcommittee, board of ethics, all kinds of stuff happening. All kinds That's of stuff. That's just the beginning. So, A.D., let's turn to you here. In the aftermath of last week's massacre in Highland Park, which I can't believe I'm saying last week. It feels like it was, it feels like it was a month ago. A month ago. Yeah. There were some other threats of mass shootings this week, though, right? Let's start with the incident uh, involving the Willis Tower. Yes. So this call came from a conference room for a company that operates on three floors of the building, way up on the 50th floor. Employees apparently heard this is not a drill over the internal intercom and basically acted as if there was an active shooter. There were people hiding under desks. Um, It's unclear whether it was a prank or a mistake. They're investigating internally. Cops showed up, cleared all three floors, and debunked it almost immediately. But cops said, given everything that's happened... They took the threat very seriously. This happened really quickly. I think it showed up on police scanner Twitter at 2.50, and within half an hour, Willis Security said, not not a real threat. Nothing to see here. Uh, but wow. this isn't just top of mind because of Highland Park, but like very active in our memories. This was not long ago either. The Henry Pratt company shooting in Aurora in 2019. Like Workplace shootings have happened in Chicago before, and there's reason for people to be spooked. Yeah. Of course, summer festival season is, is upon us here in Chicago. We've got Pitchfork that's coming up this weekend at Union Park and Hyde Park's longtime Silver Room block party. That's back tomorrow after a two-year hiatus. Sadly, Alex, there was a threat involving another music festival that's taking place in September. What happened there? That's right. We're talking about the North Coast Music Festival that is scheduled to happen over Labor Day weekend in uh, Southwest Suburban Bridgeview, a hip-hop music festival that sometimes reported uh, the other day that there had been A threat the McHenry County Sheriff's uh, Office had been investigating that someone had made some kind of threat on social media about coming in with guns. It had prompted some some fears about the, you know, whether the the fest would still go on. Um, Police say that they've got the the suspect in custody, that they've sort of resolved the issue. And so don't worry anymore. I think that the, you know, sadly, the takeaway here is, is just it's everyone's sense of whether they have the the freedom to go out into a big busy summer festival right. is is suddenly in question because it's in conflict with people's you know freedom quote unquote to own assault weapons and so things festivals have been going on uh this summer I was at Taste of Chicago last weekend it was very crowded everything seemed to to go fine no safety issues but you know when you're in a big crowd like that Nowadays, unfortunately, it's just sort of always hanging in, in the back of your mind. Yeah. What do you think, Mike? Do you think that these threats are going to make people feel uncomfortable about being out in these big crowds? I think Alex has specified it there. I, I, yes. I, yeah. I, I know people who I'm, I'm glad to hear it was a big crowd. Um, people in my family didn't want to go. They stayed away. Stayed away. Yeah. Well, my, yeah, I remember talking to my, to my dad about this after Highland Park. He's like, no one's going to want to go to parades anymore. And I was like, well, mm. we went back to the movies after what happened in Colorado. Kids have to go back to school. It's just an unfortunate back of your head thing that That's you've got to live with. Well, and and it's it's good to see the hotel occupancy numbers and and just from my own observations walking down Michigan Avenue every day, uh, there the crowds are back. Downtown feels much more normal, and hopefully, some of these hotels that are on the verge of going into bankruptcy will be able to avoid ruination. But uh, this doesn't help. Yeah. Well, in other law enforcement news, the Chicago cop accused of knocking out protester Miracle Boyd's tooth in the summer of 2020. He's resigned. Update us on that, A.D. Yes. So this related to the protests around the Columbus statue in Grant Park back in July of 2020. Uh, This was one of those 
police videos that I think a lot of Chicagoans are going to remember for a very long time. It was taken from across the street, an officer hitting a young protester in the face. Her phone hit her face. That protester was Miracle Boyd. She ended up losing a tooth. And I remember, I think it was Block Club published an image of her at a press conference talking about this incident, kind of lifting up her lip and showing where it had fallen Mm -hmm. out. Um, And that video went really far and wide. So the city's investigative agency, COPA, found that that officer used excessive and unnecessary force, that he made false or misleading statements about what happened. Uh, The officer said Boyd was swinging an unknown object, and he believed she was going to batter the cops who were trying to arrest someone else at the protest. Uh, There was actually video footage that where he said it was a phone. He said, get that phone out of my face. Um, Other officers were dinged for also not reporting that use of excessive force and for affirming the misleading report that the officer put out. Um, Superintendent Brown had argued for some leniency, but he he opted to resign instead. Man, thank God for video evidence. Seriously. Uh, A suspect in the June 1st shooting of a Chicago police officer was apprehended in Iowa. What happened there, Alex? That's right. This is a a 28-year-old man who was found in Iowa. He was charged with two counts of attempted murder right after this, this terrible shooting right after Memorial Day, um, Officer Fernanda Ballesteros was shot in the head, but fortunately she was discharged from the hospital just a week after that and and was talking and and seems to be on the road to recovery. I think that two big takeaways from this for me, number one, is just the importance to detectives and to police of witnesses cooperating. I think that was a part of the story is that witnesses in Englewood actually spoke to police about who they saw doing this, and that's such a critical, you know, fulcrum in have being able to have public safety and why trust in the police is so important. I think another takeaway is how fraught it is and how dangerous it is to be a police officer in the city of Chicago right now. And a, a reason why the city is having such trouble recruiting police officers in, in this environment is clearly a very dangerous job. They take their lives into their hands and there are going on 2,000 vacancies in the Chicago Police Department, it's becoming so a real had, crisis. We've had city. seven shot and a couple dozen shot at, right? Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. unprecedented. Just a few seconds left here, AD. I want to squeeze this in. R. Kelly in the news again. What's the latest? Uh, so it's difficult even for me to keep track of these pending trials. So basically, there was one in New York for racketeering and sex trafficking. He was found guilty, sentenced to 30 years in prison. He's appealing that decision. In his upcoming Chicago trial, he's accused of rigging the case against him brought here in 2008 with two associates. Uh, that included paying off witnesses and victims to buy their cooperation. Uh, he is also accused of sexual abuse of five, five or six minors and recording the acts on video. The trial is scheduled to begin in a month. There's still much more to get into. Mike, we're going to turn to North Suburban Highland Park, where thousands gathered for a vigil on Wednesday while other residents headed to the nation's capital. What were they trying to accomplish in D.C.? They're trying to do what appears to be politically impossible at this time, and and that's uh, pass a national uh, renewal of the uh, assault weapons ban that expired nearly two decades ago. It was passed under Bill Clinton and uh, was allowed to expire under George W. Bush. There's also a proposal to, in Washington, they were marching with uh, survivors and family members of, of those killed in Uvalde, Texas, um, and they were making common cause. And at these vigils in Highland Park and uh, in in the political uh, ac- activism that you see, is is that same sort of almost PTSD that that we uh, see in some parts of Chicago and that we have seen in in other parts of the country, like in Parkland, 
at that uh, Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School after the mass murders uh, in those places. Mm-hmm. And there's there's a catharsis that that plays out as as these folks throw themselves into political activism and 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 they try to make these random mass killings have some meaning not not just that that their that their friends and family members have not been senselessly murdered yeah. without any without anything coming from it everybody's heart goes out to them, but the political reality is this is not going to pass the current Congress. They they, ta- they met with Senators Durbin and Duckworth, right, Mike? And Correct. I know um, over at the White House, the president was also dealing with the Highland Park shooting. Can you give us the rundown there, too? He has talked about uh, common-sense gun laws. He has talked about trying to make some sort of response. And Joe Biden's impulse as a a lifelong member of the U.S. Senate, is to find some kind of compromise. He celebrated the rather modest achievements in, in, the, in the first congressional gun measure that's passed in years, but this assault weapons ban that, uh, that Tammy Duckworth gave a heartfelt endorsement of and plea for yesterday on the floor of the Senate— um, and that the, the, the town of Naperville, the city of Naperville, is going to be debating— uh, going to introduce, uh, I think, next Tuesday, and then at the meeting in August, the, the the council there is going to be debating it. These local and even these state gun laws we've seen here in Chicago just really don't work. When when you can walk across State Line Road yeah. down there at 108th Street, 112th Street, and go a few blocks into Indiana and, and go to a gun show uh, and— be able to obtain a weapon without any yeah. background checks, it's uh, its remarkable. The president met with uh, J.B. Pritzker and uh, Mayor Nancy Rotering. Um, now, Mike, next week, Senator Durbin is going to oversee a Senate Judiciary Committee hearing uh, on the shooting. Is that right? Yeah. And, you know, they're, they're going to run into the same grim reality. You know, uh, John Cornyn, the Texas senator who who helped to fashion this compromise that led to the modest measures that that, that were recently enacted, has absolutely ruled out any 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 action on AR-15s. And indeed, the uh, a longtime gun activist, longtime lobbyist in Springfield, Todd Vandemide, he says, I use AR-15s uh, to defend my home. That's that's, uh, you know, and, and, and the argument that these are that these are not used for self-defense, he says, yeah. well, they they want to give the gun grabbers want to give all the advantages to the criminals. Well, to, to Alex's earlier point about the danger of being an officer right now, some of the, the we've seen some of a shift in the cell of an assault weapons ban, in part because people are like our our officers that are supposed to be protecting and defending us are outgunned by people with AR-15s. We have cops with handguns and mass shooters with AR-15s. Yeah. So I'll, I'll be interested to see if they shift that. Well, Highland Park residents, you know, they're still grieving AD, but uh, Attorney General Kwame Raoul is warning of potential. Charity scams yeah. right now tied to this shooting. What's happening? Yeah, this unfortunately crops up after almost every crisis or tragedy. We see these after hurricanes and earthquakes, just scammers. So it, it adds insult to injury. The AG said some totally. Highland Park survivors have been contacted by potential scammers, basically telling them falsely that there's help available through the AG's Crime Victims Compensation Program. That 
offers financial reimbursement to, to folks who are victims of violent crimes to pay for stuff like funerals and missed wages. Uh, but the AG's office does not reach out to people and say, you're qualified, and if you pay us a little bit of money, we'll help you sign up. You can, like, go sign up yourself. And just for everybody else who wants to be donating to these families, uh, there's also GoFundMe scams out there. And GoFundMe has actually put out a list of verified fundraisers for families that you can check out. And the Highland Park Community Foundation is also raising money on its website. You know that one is legit because the city of Hyde Park shared that and said you can donate here to help people. But just tips in general for avoiding scams like this. If you get a call for stuff, ask specifically if your donation, how much is going to charity, how much is going to be used to pay for fundraising costs. Pay attention to the name of the charity. It might be slightly off uh, compared to a legit one. Mm -hmm. Be super careful when you're giving money online. If it's in person, don't pay in cash. Pay in a check. That's for like tax purposes and getting it back if you need. Request written information. If it's a legit place, they should send you something. And don't donate to anybody relying on high pressure, you need to give now Yeah, tactics. Good tips there. Um, all right, switching gears. Alex, I'm looking at you. Chicago transportation officials unveiled plans for a big bike giveaway. That's right. This is something that Chicago Department of Transportation Commissioner Gia Biagi had sort of teased actually a couple months ago, back in April, said, hey, we're going to give away 5,000 bikes and as part of an announcement that the city was going to expand some Park trails, um, incidentally, that was a couple days after Mayor Lightfoot had ruffled a lot of feathers in the bike and transit community by saying, you know, the practical reality is that Chicago is a car city. And I think there was some speculation. On, pla- on planet Earth, we drive cars? On, that was that was separately afterwards. She oh, said, really? yeah, here on planet, you know, obviously we want to encourage transit, but here on planet reality, we need to drive cars. Planet so, reality. Obviously, you know, p- cyclists and people who have been really actively pushing for better bike infrastructure were not super happy about that when we are regularly seeing people getting killed by drivers when Mm -hmm. they're trying to bike from place to place. So this program, uh, it's called Bike Chicago. We finally saw some more details rolled out this week. The Department of Transportation wants to give away 5,000 bikes um, between now and 2026, starting with, I think, 500 this year. You can They're going to start out with, you know, CPS students and are going to work their way out from there. In order to qualify, you just have to be at least 14 years old. Um, You cannot own a bicycle already. I'm not sure exactly how they're going to prove that. But um, you also have to make less than 100% of area median income, which Mm -hmm. is $73,000 for um, an individual, $104,000 for a family of four. Um, Just look up, you know, Bike Chicago program. And uh, it's, it's part of this kind of drip drip of uh, new programs, new infrastructure that transportation is. Yeah, yeah, another giveaway. To try and shift the culture away from just having cars dominate the streets. At least this is the the city's uh, official position and and was made more clear in the the We Will plan that the city put out yesterday. But um, whether the mayor herself personally echoes that is another question. The city updated us this week, too, Alex, about that other giveaway, the uh, the one having to do with security cameras. How's the rebate program going? That's right. So we heard from Tamara Mahal this week, who is the head of the city's Community Safety Coordination Center, basically giving us a little bit of a checkup on this program called the uh, Business Protect, the Home and Business Protection Program that is, like a lot of other things, is funded by American Rescue Plan Act money. If you're searching for a little bit of context on why the city is giving away all this stuff, including money, um, recall that the city got um, $1.9 billion from the American Rescue Plan last year. And so as part of it, the city peeled off about, I think, $5 million for to give people rebates for private security 
equipment that they buy for their own homes. And so what Mahal said today is that 1,700 people have already applied for rebates for security cameras that they've bought, 300 have sought uh, outdoor lighting rebates, and 100 people have applied for reimbursements on GPS tracking devices, and this is via WTTW. You know, I think back to your conversation, I think that I remember, Sasha, with Tamara Mahal, Mm -hmm. when you were posing to her, you know, well, what about people who say that instead of spending $5 million on all this equipment, why not spend it on, you know, direct outreach, on youth intervention programs, on on any number of other things? And basically the city's response is, we're doing all that stuff too as part of their strategy for spending all of this money they really are trying this kitchen sink strategy of doing literally anything and everything in their power well, to tamp down on violence. Uh, the question, of course, well, there are two questions. One is whether this will work, and two is exactly. what happens when all that federal money runs dry in two years. All right, moving on. Chicago and Cook County's COVID risk returned to high yesterday while the state continues relaxing masking and vaccine mandates. Another virus, though, also making headlines, AD. Monkeypox. Monkeypox. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and that's it. And that's it. Um, as of yesterday, Illinois had 160 cases. Okay. Uh, the bulk of those are in Chicago. We have the third highest overall case count in the country behind New York, which has 414, and California, which has 180. So most cases are occurring among gay, bisexual, and other men who have sex with men, which Dr. Allison already said was basically due to the the network. It's people who are around each other. Yeah. Um, anyone can get monkeypox. That's important to know. Um, it can spread if you touch someone's rash or sores, uh, if you share bedding or towels, if you have prolonged face-to-face contact within a three-hour window. So this kissing, coughing, sneezing, yeah. COVID things that we're all familiar with. Um, aside from this rash that can spring up after a few days, symptoms are basically like the flu. So fever, chills, fatigue, swollen lymph nodes, and it can last up to a month, which does not sound fun. Um, the city is vaccinating people. They've had vaccine clinics at bathhouses like Steamworks up on the north side, um, at the Pride Festival on the south side. Um, vaccines can be preventative or yeah. administered after you might have been exposed. Uh, but we only have received about 5,400 doses and another 7,500 7, are coming in the next few weeks. I'm just I'm just tired. I'm just tired. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how else to express it. Um, almost out of time. But, Mike, we got to jump to sports real quick before we go. The Chicago Sky might get a new owner. Uh, Cubs co-owner Laura Ricketts is in preliminary talks with the women's basketball team about becoming an investor. What else do we know? Yeah. Uh, well, she's been um, she's, of course, from the Cubs family. Yeah. Uh, she's the Democratic arm of a largely very conservative Republican family that uh, big Lightfoot donor. A, a big Lightfoot donor that too. Um, and a, uh, a you know an, an out lesbian and uh, somebody who uh, has uh, is is apparently a fan of the sky and uh, would be a woman owner in a uh, in a of a woman's basketball league. So uh, the team and the league are uh, are eager to have her uh, come in. Yeah. Uh, quick one I want to squeeze in. Fun one here. Yesterday, our staff here at Navy Pier, we were wondering about this big ship docked at Navy Pier, uh, the Ocean Voyager. Yes, the Ocean Voyager on a lake. Why not? <laughs> what are the chances Navy Pier could just turn into this bustling 
cruise terminal, guys. Looking like Fort Lauderdale or... Uh, <laughs> I, mean, yeah, I mean, it's not quite the Caribbean or, or Fort Lauderdale, but... you know, would On any some of, days, it looks quite Caribbean. Would any of you want to go on a Great Lakes cruise so, vacation? Yeah. Chicago to Michigan City in five so, you know, days. That, oh. that, was actually, that, that was actually happening uh, before the pandemic. Uh, I, I remember there was a, uh, there was a German uh, cruise company. They, they, they had come in. I, I think they left from Bremerhaven. And they had crossed the Atlantic and come into what? Come into the lakes, yeah. And uh, Chicago was their urban, their yeah. urban stop. But uh, you know, the northern lakes in particular, Georgian Bay, Lake Superior, oh, yeah. Thunder Bay. It's absolutely well. Absolutely folks who are interested are going to have to read up on the Ocean Voyager. <laughs> We've been speaking with A.D. Quig, Cook County and Chicago government reporter for the Chicago Tribune, Alex Nitkin, editor and city hall reporter for the Daily Line, and Mike Flannery, political editor at Fox Thirty Two News. Have a great weekend, folks. Thank you. you too. Thanks, you too. Thank you. That's it for today's Reset. Stick with this podcast for the week's other top stories. We drop a new episode every weekday afternoon, sometimes on the weekends too. Plus, you can now watch the weekly news recap on the WBEZ Facebook and YouTube pages. Go check it out. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. Thank you so much for spending your time with us and have a great weekend. Thanks for listening to the news live on WBEZ and NPR. The WBEZ stream sounds great in the kitchen on your smart speaker and anywhere on the WBEZ app. Listen every day.